Any and all views expressed on the devil and the details are entirely my own. While I am a member of the Church of Satan, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Welcome to The Devil in the Details, the show where we talk about skepticism from a satanic perspective. I'm your host, The Satanic Skeptic. I've decided I'm going to go back and start talking about past cases I've written articles for Skeptical Inquirer about. I started this podcast first, and when I started contributing articles to Skeptical Inquirer, I didn't want to record episodes about those articles because I didn't want to be repeating myself. I figured if people read the articles, they probably wouldn't be interested in also hearing them as episodes. But since then, I've thought about it, and there's probably going to be people who listen to the the podcast and won't read the articles, maybe have no interest in reading articles, or discover the podcast first. So, the first case I'd like to talk about came from the tabloid The Sun. It was an article published on October 30th, 2020, titled, House of Horrors, Terrifying Moment Poltergeist Shakes Lamp, as Couple Flee Home Where Catherine Hepburn Once Escaped Haunted House. Now, I'm someone who loves a good ghost story, and considers himself something of a cinemaphile. I love old black and white movies, old Hollywood, the movies, urban legends around it. You've got places like the Roosevelt Hotel, the Knickerbocker Hotel, Chateau Marmont, that all have uh, plenty of urban legends about them, and histories of being allegedly haunted. And now, a house previously owned by Catherine Hepburn. But, wait a minute, it gets even better. Supposedly, according to the article... Not only did Catherine Hepburn once escape her haunted house, but it was also once owned by none other than William Henry Pratt, known to the world as Boris Karloff, one of my on-screen heroes. So, you can bet your ass I dived into this story head first. The article and exclusive footage obtained by The Sun allegedly showed a lamp flicker on and off before one half of the couple, Amanda Michaels, walked over to investigate. At the point at which she approaches the lamp, it began shaking vigorously with nobody else around. Those are the words of the author. What actually happens in the video is much less exciting, but I'll get to that in a moment. At this point, Mrs. Michaels appears to calmly walk back over to where she was sitting, retrieve her phone and her dog, and leave. What immediately caught my attention was that the lamp didn't shake, vigorously or otherwise, so much as it moved. If you watch the video embedded in the Sun article, and I'm going to post the link on my Facebook page and in the episode description, you'll see that the lamp bobs up and down, and my immediate thought was, I've seen this before. I've seen objects move in exactly this fashion. I've seen demonstrations of objects being moved like this on YouTube by my friend and fellow investigator Kenny Biddle. I reached out to Kenny and asked if he'd review the video with me. As we watched it, Kenny explained that the lamp in the video has an adjustable upper arm that allows the height of the lamp to be adjusted up or down. The arm is under tension to remain in place once the owner gets it into the desired position. Otherwise, the lamp would either return to its original position or fall to the lowest possible position. Often, these types of lamps need to be moved beyond the desired position due to some springback, when older lamps tend to lose proper tension. If a hidden line were being used to move the lamp down, the likely attachment point would be just under the light bulb socket. This would allow the line to pull the lamp straight down, 
taking advantage of how the lamp was engineered to move. The lamp is displaying the spring back motion mentioned above, which is why it moves back up each time it's being pulled down. At the 38 second mark, the lamp actually moves with such force that you can see the base lift up. This is an important clue as to what direction the force acting on the lamp is coming from. One side of the base lifts up because force is being exerted on the opposite side. Kenny told me since it's only being moved in one direction, it's most likely being moved by fishing line. Judging from uh, which side the base lifted up, assuming that something like fishing line was used to move the lamp, we can determine that the force was being exerted from across the room. In the video, we can see something like a tray that wraps around the arm of the couch that's in the foreground, which would provide perfect cover if a line were being used to pull the lamp. Because I wasn't there, I can't say for sure whether or not what we see in the video is the lamp being moved by fishing line or genuine poltergeist activity. However, considering that there are many videos online demonstrating just how easily and effectively fishing line can be used to achieve a similar effect, that would seem more likely than the alternative that what we're seeing is the lamp being moved by a ghost. By far the most interesting claim related to the house was that the story that actress Katherine Hepburn sincerely believed it was haunted. Specifically, the Sun article stated that Hepburn fled her luxury mansion, convinced the multi-million dollar property was haunted. That's a fascinating story, if true. However, there was no indication as to where this story came from. Most biographical information I read about Hepburn failed to mention the story. Also, it wasn't clear to me whether the house shown in the video was in fact previously owned by both Katherine Hepburn and Boris Karloff. The article claimed that the couple lived in Coldwater Canyon, on the same site where Hollywood actress Hepburn fled her luxury mansion, convinced the multi-million dollar property was haunted, as well as claiming that the couple lived next door to a famous home previously owned by Hollywood actor Boris Karloff. So, it wasn't clear to me whether the house that they were living in was both owned by Katherine Hepburn previously, as well as Boris Karloff, or whether it was owned by one of them and happened to be adjacent to the other. I decided the story could ultimately be broken down into several smaller mysteries. First, whether or not it was true that both Hepburn and Karloff owned the same house, and whether or not this was the same house that the Michaels currently lived in. Second, whether Katherine Hepburn actually believed the house was haunted. And third, whether Katherine Hepburn fled her luxury mansion and escaped from her haunted house because she believed it was haunted. Fortunately, details about the property Hepburn and Karloff previously owned are publicly available and easily accessible. According to an article in Harper's Bazaar, the house in question is at 2320 Beaumont Drive, Beverly Hills. According to Zillow, the house was built in 1927, and previous inhabitants included Katherine Hepburn and Boris Karloff. This confirmed that both Katherine Hepburn and Boris Karloff indeed owned the same house. However, the question still remained whether or not that house was the same one the Michaels currently lived in. The photographs of the house at 2320 Beaumont Drive listed by both Harper's Bazaar and Zillow didn't match those of the Michaels' house in the Sun article. That presented a bit of a problem if the claim was that the house was on the same site as the house previously owned by Katherine Hepburn and Boris Karloff. Because the article also claimed that the Michaels lived next door to a famous home previously owned by Hollywood actor Boris Karloff, I decided to look at the houses neighboring 2320 Beaumont Drive. After checking all the adjacent properties, I was able to find several photographs from Redfin.com that matched both the interior and exterior layout of the Michaels property as depicted in the Sun article, revealing that their house is actually located at 2350 Beaumont Drive. Those pictures are included in the Skeptical Inquirer article online. Additionally, according to the real estate information listed on Redfin.com, the house at 2350 was built in 1956. 
Therefore, it is indeed next door to the former home of Boris Karloff and Catherine Hepburn. However, the claim that it was the same house previously owned by Catherine Hepburn is inaccurate. Not only was it a completely different house, but it was built several decades after the house both Hepburn and Karloff owned. That still leaves the mystery of whether or not Catherine Hepburn did believe the house she occupied, located at 2320 Beaumont Drive, not 2350, was haunted. I reached out to Stephen Jacobs, author of Boris Karloff, More Than a Monster, the biography authorized by the Karloff estate, and Mr. Jacobs was gracious enough to confirm that Karloff purchased the house at 2320 Beaumont Drive from Virginia Bernard, a friend of his wife Dorothy, on March 31, 1934. When I asked Mr. Jacobs if he was familiar with the story that Catherine Hepburn had believed the house was haunted, he said yes, and showed me a copy of Modern Screen, a fan magazine from 1936, in which a story ran that Catherine Hepburn once lived in a house which, according to rumors, was haunted. One room was said to be so filled with moans and sighs that the Hepburn dogs would not venture across its threshold. Eventually, Hepburn moved out, and today the house is occupied by guess whom? No fooling, it's inhabited by Boris Karloff, and rumor has it that when he moved in, the ghosts walked out. After the first night, they were convinced the house was haunted. A similar story also ran in the February 22, 1936 edition of the Tulsa Daily World. Ghosts in Hollywood. Well, I've heard everything. Boris Karloff, who now lives in the house formerly occupied by Catherine Hepburn, in which she told all of her friends was haunted, is waiting for the ghosts. Katie said one room was so filled with groans and shrieks and moans that a dog wouldn't cross the threshold, and it is in this room that Boris sleeps. So far, the ghosts are apparently his friends, and haven't bothered him in the least. This confirmed that the rumors about the house were at least not a modern invention, but were circulating around the time that Catherine Hepburn had already moved out, and Boris Karloff had moved in. A more detailed account of the rumor is found in Gregory William Manx's Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff, the expanded story of a haunting collaboration. Discussing the year 1935, Manx says, For Karloff, home was his Mexican farmhouse, a bizarre airy, high amidst the oak trees and honeysuckle of Coldwater Canyon in the mountains above Beverly Hills. 2320 Beaumont Drive, with its pool and beautiful rambling gardens, previously had been the address of Catherine Hepburn. The actress sincerely believed a ghost haunted the house, moving the furniture, jiggling the latch on Miss Hepburn's bedroom door, and looming over the guest bed. So terrifying, Hepburn's brother Richard, that he couldn't sleep one single night during his visit. After Kate's friend Laura Harding tried to have her dogs ferret out the ghost, to no avail, Hepburn vacated, and Boris and Dorothy had moved into the haunted hacienda in the spring of 1934. I reached out to Mr. Mank asking him for clarification as to where he had gotten this information. Mr. Mank kindly responded that he had first read about the ghost in Charles Higgins' biography Kate, by far, Higgum's biography contained the most detailed account of the story I've been able to find. According to Higgum, Kate's maid, Joanna, began to notice furniture in the unoccupied and locked guest apartment having been moved during the summer of 1933. Actress Eve March, whom Higgum described as a close friend and stand-in, had seen the latch on Kate's bedroom door moving for no apparent reason. Both Kate and Eve found no one on the other side of the door, and terrified, Kate called her friend Laura Harding. It will be important later to note that, when Catherine Hepburn moved into the house at Coldwater Canyon, she was living there with Laura, but during this particular event, Laura was staying with her family in New England. When Laura suggested they call the police, Kate allegedly refused, not wanting to attract publicity. Laura did eventually come back to Coldwater Canyon and brought her dogs to try and flush out the supposed ghost. No intruder, spectral or otherwise, was found. When Kate's brother Richard came to visit, Kate put him up in the guest room. After a week, Richard allegedly told Kate, 
There's something the matter with this house. I haven't slept one single night since I've been here. I've had the feeling someone is standing at the foot of the bed looking down at me. After Karloff bought the house, Higgum quoted Laura directly as saying, We felt rather sorry for the ghost. This information immediately cast doubt, in my mind, on the claim that Catherine Hepburn fled from the house because it was haunted. If she sincerely believed her house was haunted and that the furniture within the guest room was moving on its own, and this bothered her enough that she would eventually move out of the house, why would she have put her brother up in that very same room? It would seem more likely that perhaps some things did happen that Kate and Laura interpreted as being strange, that they believed could be due to the activities of a poltergeist, but their belief in the house being haunted never escalated to the point of their feeling unsafe within the house. Curiously, despite claiming in his book's acknowledgments that he talks not only to Kate herself, but her friends and colleagues, Higgum did not quote Hepburn herself talking about her house having been haunted. That being the case, I believe it's reasonable to assume that the information Higgum relates regarding the story didn't come from Hepburn herself. In fact, the only person Higgum quotes directly was Laura, which leads me to believe that she was the person who provided the details. Fortunately, Catherine Hepburn did in fact have something to say about the matter. In her autobiography, Me, Stories of My Life, Hepburn described what it was like living at Coldwater Canyon with Laura and her boyfriend at the time, Leland Hayward. We, Laura and I, had moved from a house in Franklin Canyon to a house in Coldwater Canyon. This one had a swimming pool and a tennis court. Quite a lot of property. With Leland about, the house was a bit crowded, but fun. We always thought it was haunted. My brother Dick came out to visit us and said he felt that someone would come and stand at the foot of his bed and watch him. There were strange noises. It was an odd house built up the side of a hill, so that although the master bedroom was up the hill from the living room, it was also on the ground floor. After a brief digression, Hepburn tells us, Then later in 1934, Laura and I moved into the Fred Niblo house on the top of Angelo Drive, above Benedict Canyon. Hepburn confirmed the story that her brother, Richard, stayed briefly at the house, and believed that someone was watching him from the foot of his bed. She also confirmed that both she and Laura believed that the house was haunted. All that remained was the question of whether or not Catherine Hepburn moved out of the house because of her belief that it was haunted. Hepburn's version of events in Me is lacking in the more sensational details found in both Modern Screen and Higgum's biography. One would think, if her experiences in the house at Coldwater Canyon had been as remarkable as the rumors, they would have left more of an impression. Most importantly, Hepburn writes of her moving out in a relaxed and casual tone. One does not get the sense that there was any urgency on her part to leave. This is further corroborated in the biography Catherine Hepburn by Sheridan Morley and Barbara Leeming, in which they relate that Kate once told John Ford that in Los Angeles, she preferred to live with no one at her back. Quinta Nirvana, her old place in Coldwater Canyon, had been too small for three people, so she rented a much larger house perched at the top of Angelo Drive in Beverly Hills. So, there you have it. Catherine Hepburn herself never claimed to have escaped or fled from her house in Coldwater Canyon, and gave the reason for her moving out as simply being too small to accommodate her, Laura Harding, and her agent and boyfriend, Leland Hayward. At the time that I wrote my Skeptical Inquirer article back in 2021, the Michaels had stated their intention to have paranormal investigators come into their home to perform both a seance and a blessing. Since then, I've not heard any more news about this. Not surprising, considering that the story never seemed to have made it past that One Sun article, and, as I've conclusively demonstrated, their house is not the allegedly haunted home of Catherine Hepburn. Regardless, I wish them the best of luck, and would be more than happy to come see the place for myself with my friend Kenny Biddle, if they're willing to put up a couple of real investigators.
If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can check out The Devil in the Details on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. If you have any questions or would like to shoot me a line, you can reach me on Facebook at The Devil in the Details. My handle is Satanic Skeptic. Maybe consider subscribing to the podcast and liking the Facebook page. You can also check out the articles that I write for Skeptical Inquirer at skepticalinquirer.org and for more pop culture-related skepticism at aiptcomics.com. Until then, the devil of doubt calls forth mankind to challenge all things, question all things. May the Luciferian light of reason guide you on your way ever forward. Hail science. Hail reason. Hail Satan.